Hey guys, I'm Grace Tori, and you're listening to That Girl the Podcast. Grab a beverage of choice and settle in because the new episode is starting now. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl Grace Tori, and I'm back with a whole new podcast episode. Before I jump into this episode, if you're watching this and not just listening and you see the trash bags behind me, I promise we don't just have huge bags of trash in our house. It's Josh's like soundproofing foam for his music studio that he hasn't put in yet so yeah it's it's not like gross (laughs) i promise he just hasn't put it in yet so it's sitting in bags in our living room anyway how are you guys i'm a little out of breath because i just put the dogs outside and was hanging out with them (sighs) but happy wednesday i am really excited for this video i know it's gonna be super super chill i have a truly out i never really drink anymore unless i'm doing something social with my friends like once a month but the fact that i'm drinking a truly means two things it's gonna be a really really chill video and i'm really really tired and exhausted (laughs) yeah that's mainly why it's gonna be a chill video i just don't have the energy to put in effort into anything else which is fine we're just going right into my life updates here it's my second week of work it's going really well i really enjoy it i've been like number one every single day and guys i didn't realize how competitive i was until I went into sales and whew, I'm very competitive. <laughs> Which is good, I guess, for sales, right? But yeah, going from getting up at like one in the afternoon every day to getting up at like seven every morning has really taken a toll on me and I'm just not used to it yet. So that's why I'm so tired. I'm actually like doing stuff during the day too where like I was fully focusing on the podcast before, which isn't like it's still hard, but it's a different kind of mental strain. I don't know. Just. I make like a hundred calls a day and that's a lot for anybody. Anyway, uh, today's episode is all about Halloween legends, spooky stories, Halloween tales, I guess. I'm going to do a spooky story episode where I do like a haunted and stuff like that, but this one is strictly Halloween themed. So it's like any legends or myths as well as like I found something on the History Channel that talks about like why witches have brooms and things like that so i'm gonna do a little fun facts and then we're gonna talk about these legends and just dive into it my final life update the one thing i would add is that it's actually freezing so (laughs) that sucks if i sound like i can't breathe or anything like that it's because the weather is changing and it's giving me like a it's not even a sinus infection it's not a cold but it's like a runny nose and I just sound different because it literally went from like 70 degrees to 40. So yeah, I'm going to say that it's not a good time. I'm not thriving. It it was like my mood dropped with the weather, but we're fine. Everything's fine. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump on in to the episode. So first we're going to talk about the Halloween myths that I found. Myths? Myths? I can't talk. And one of them, the first one is about vampires. So I know Halloween, like the vampires probably came from Transylvania, like, but according to the History Channel, they actually came from consumption. So tuberculosis, consumption, same deal, it's the same thing, different names, happened in the 19th century. And it took the lives in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Vermont, and most of New England, right? Well, before the physicians were able to, like, kind of explain how the diseases were spread, the villagers actually believed that the people who had died from the disease were coming back to life and 
kill, like spreading it like vampires essentially. So what they did is they would actually dig up the people that had already passed away and burn their organs. Super gross, I know. But I thought that was interesting. I still choose to believe that they originated from Transylvania and that whole story because that happened way before the 19th century. But it's still interesting to think that that kind of fueled the idea of vampires. Next, why do witches fly on brooms? So this is a Halloween thing that's happened for a while now, but why? Like, what made this happen? So, apparently, in 1451, a French man named Martin Lefranc uh, wrote a poem, and his manuscript called Le Champion des Dames, aka The Defender of the Ladies, had imagery of witches having brooms. Additionally, it may have roots in a pagan fertility ritual, where farmers would leap and dance with poles, pitchforks, or brooms in the light of the full moon to encourage the growth of their crops. This type of dance became confused with common accounts of witches flying through the night on their way to whatever they were doing. So that's where the brooms came from. I feel like I said that really weird. I'll try to say that better next time so it sounds less kind of robotic and more like a story because why would you guys be listening for me to sound like a robot, right? Okay. Sorry, I'm tired. So the next little fact I'm going to tell you is why haunted houses actually opened during the Great Depression. As the Great Depression was coming around or right before when it was gearing up to happen, Halloween actually became a time that young men would cause mischief and just kind of like save all of their pent up mischief until Halloween and then they would just kind of do whatever they wanted and they went too far. So in 1933, the parents were really upset when hundreds of teenage boys flipped over cars, sawed off telephone poles, and engaged in other acts of vandalism across the country. Literally sounds like State Street after a University of Kentucky basketball game, or if we win a football game, but, you know, whatevs. People would actually call that the year's holiday uh, Black Halloween. They also called the stock market Black Tuesday when it crashed four years earlier. Little fun fact for you. So instead of banning the holiday, they actually said that communities needed to start having events or activities that would keep them busy, like keep these people busy so they weren't causing their own problems. So what they did is they started having haunted houses. The more you know. So next is where did jack-o'-lanterns come from? And it's associated with the legend of quote-unquote Stingy Jack. So it's an Irish myth about a man nicknamed Stingy Jack who led the tradition of carving scary faces into gourds, aka pumpkins. I don't really see people putting faces on squash, but I mean, you do you. According to the legend, he tricks the devil into paying for his drink and then traps him in the form of a coin. The devil eventually takes revenge and Stingy Jack ends up roaming earth for eternity without a place in heaven or hell. Sounds like purgatory. Jack does, however, have a lighted coal, which he places inside a carved turnip, creating the original jack-o'-lantern. I actually knew that. I don't know, like I totally forgot, but for some reason we had this really cool teacher in my high school English, uh, like junior and senior year, freshman and senior, I don't know, we had her twice. And she told us all these Halloween legends, which is really cool because I went to a super Southern Baptist high school, so we weren't really allowed to even call it Halloween, we had to call it fall. Another fun one, Abraham Lincoln's ghost in the White House. This makes me want to visit the White House. For quite some time, presidents, their wives, 
guests, members of the White House staff, staff, not staff, staff, and whoever else manages to wander their way into the building has claimed to either see Abraham Lincoln's ghost or feel his presence. If you hear me, like, using bad grammar and stuff, just ignore it. My brain works slower than my mouth, so I say things before I actually think them. It's fine. The first one to actually claim that they saw our past president was Grace Coolidge, who was Calvin Coolidge's, aka the 30th president's wife. And she said that he stood at a window of the Oval Office, hands clasped behind his back, gazing out over the Potomac, perhaps still seeing the bloody battlefields beyond. Uh, that was added for drama. And that's it. We don't really know anymore. But still crazy. Makes me want to visit the White House. We went to D.C. in the 8th grade and we didn't even tour the White House. Can you tour the White House? They do it in shows and it makes me think that you can. I really want to do it. I don't know. Questions. I have questions. So, did you know that spirit photography claims to capture ghosts on film? What is spirit photography? In the post-Civil War era, when many Americans were reeling from loss, a photographer named William Mumler claimed to capture ghosts on film. This sounds like a scam, but like also, I, I, I dig it, you know? I, I, it could be real. While taking self-portraits for practice, one of Mumler's prints came back with an unexplainable aberration. Although he was quite alone in the room, when the shot was taken, there appeared to be a figure at his side, a girl who was made of light. It's actually really cool. Like, I believe in ghosts, and, like, it feels kind of scammy, but, I mean, it could be true. Like, it could. It's all electricity and stuff at the end of the day. Anyway, Mumler showed the photo to a spiritualist friend who told him the girl in the image was almost certainly a ghost. Mumler began a swift business shortly after in so-called spirit photography. I wonder if that's still around, because... I'm very intrigued like I wonder I want to do more research into this because I wonder if like he actually got ghosts like he, he got the ghosts like they were on the run this isn't Scooby-Doo Grace like I wonder if he has like a good portfolio did he get because it's hard to get ghosts the thing is you have to be at a really high electro is it electric electromagnetic all I know is Ghost Adventures taught me that they have to have a lot of things going on, a lot of, like, power that they're channeling to show up on photographs. So they don't always show up, even if they're there. So, even if they do, they may show up as, like, an orb. They don't show up as, like, a whole person. Like, you have to be extremely powerful to do that. So, I wonder how many he caught. And if he caught that many, why don't they use it in, like, ghost hunting? Like, Ghost Adventures. I mean, I know they took pictures and stuff, but... This is a different type of photography where it's like the brown and white almost, like kind of Wild West vibes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going on a tangent. Next is Irving writes The Legend of Sleepy Hollow after fleeing yellow fever. Okay, that's why we heard all these Halloween stories is because we were reading The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in school. I actually really like that book. Washington Irving's 1820 tale of a headless horseman who terrorizes the real-life village of Sleepy Hollow is considered one of America's first ghost stories, and actually one of its scariest. Um, I would disagree. I would disagree. Anyway, he may have drawn inspiration for his story while a teenager in Terrytown, New York. He moved to the area in 1798 to flee a yellow fever outbreak in New York City. His story takes place in the New York village of Sleepy Hollow. 
A lanky newcomer and schoolmaster, Ichabod Crane, is chased by a headless horseman, and the tale Irving weaves together actual locations and family names and a little bit of Revolutionary War history with pure imagination and fantasy. I think that's why I liked it so much, because it was so elaborate, because it used real facts, but it was very imaginative and, like, fictional, but classic. My dog is grabbing food from the other room, bringing it all the way in here, throwing it next to me and chewing it. So I'm going to try and remove as much background noise as possible. But if you hear his chomps, it's 6.04 and he eats at 6. So I, I, I'm sorry. Horror movies inspired by real stories. The Amityville... So there's, an, there's a real Amityville... Amityville House. There's a real one. On November 13th, 1974, 23-year-old Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family in their sleep. One year later, the Lutz family purchased the house in Amityville, you know what I'm trying to say, it's in New York, where the horror took place. George and Kathy Lutz then claimed they experienced shocking paranormal phenomena, phenomena, you know what I'm trying to say. I literally am so tired. I thought yesterday was Thursday and it was Tuesday and that just is, is that explains everything you need to know. Anyway, paranormal things took place in the house. Green slime oozing from the walls. A creature with red eyes and multiple family members levitating in their beds. What does green slime oozing have to do from like people getting murdered? I don't want to call upon anything. So like if anything's listening, I'm just joking. LOL. But, like, it sounds like they just took a, they drank a good drink that night. They're, they're like, tripping on some LSD or something real good. A bad trip, if you will. The claims appeared in Jay Anson's 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, which inspired the 1979 movie of the same title, which inspired many more movies. So, there's a lot more houses that have inspired movies. I don't, I get why they, uh chose that one but I also like The Conjuring is based off of a real house if you didn't know that a lot of like scary movies have like a real origin to some extent kind of spooky why Mary Shelley carried her dead husband's heart kind of witchy kind of freaky Frankenstein author Mary Shelley is world renowned for a terrifying fiction another book that I didn't think was that scary but also it was written in such a time that it probably was scary. Like, we didn't have the stuff we have now. So I get it, but it's also not that scary, in my opinion. Anyway, if you know that she had a dark secret of her own. Her husband, Percy, drowned at the young age of 29 when his boat was caught in a storm in July 1822. Aw, that's sad. See, Josh is 22, so that would only mean seven years. And, like, that's that's so young. Like, that's so sad. Anyway, his body and those of his fellow sailors were found ten days later. Percy Shelley and the others were cremated, but Shelley's heart did not burn. Due to about, possibly due to about a tuberculosis earlier in his life, she, his wife, Mary, eventually took ownership of her late husband's heart and is said to have carried it around in a silk bag. That's kind of spooky. Like, why didn't it burn? I don't know what tuberculosis has to do with that, but that's really spooky. I really want to know more about that. So those are all the facts slash little stories that History Channel mentioned. So now I am going to talk about 16 urban legends that Spirit Halloween posted. I know, it took a turn. 
So they're called the creepiest urgen legends. So yeah, like I mentioned, this episode is going to be like legends and lore and myth. Whereas the other one's going to be spooky stories. I don't think I mentioned this, but I technically have four episodes up until Halloween. So the rest of these are going to be like Halloween related in some way, whether it's like I'm thinking about doing costume ideas. Let me know if you want me to do that. Like that's less scary and more trendy that I could do, but I also want to do spooky stories. My haunted house stories are going to take up a whole episode. I already know because they're so spooky. And so yeah, there's four episodes, including this one up until Halloween. So if Halloween isn't your thing, I'm so sorry, but I just feel like it's a good opportunity to have some crazy fun content that you guys, I hope will enjoy for the most part. So that's what we're doing. Anyway, back to these urban legends. The first one is called I think it's pronounced Dudley Town, but it might be Dudley Town. I think Dudley sounds right. So it's a town in Connecticut that locals refer to as a dark vortex. Rumor has it that if any visitor steals an artifact from the area, they will have a horrible curse put on them. Visitors have also reported seeing orbs of light, ghosts like I mentioned, wolfish black shadows, and hearing disembodied voices. Very haunted, which sounds about right for Connecticut. The Topper is a mysterious group that calls themselves the Dark Forest Association that regularly patrols the grounds. Yeah, I mean, all of New England seems to be pretty haunted because of its history. Sorry if you live in New England, <laughs> but it's also really cool, but that would make sense, you know? I wonder if there's some sort of, like, portal there. Number two, I'm sure everyone has here heard of, and that's Arizona's Skinwalkers. Going through the desert at night is creepy enough. But when you see a shape-shifting half-human monster, you're probably going to be really freaked out. Arizona Skinwalker Urban Legend has become so entrenched in the state's culture that back in 1987, when a Navajo woman was found brutally murdered in, br brutally, I can't talk, in Flagstaff, the team, like the defense team, aka the police, said that the attack could have only been committed by a skinwalker. That kind of makes me uncomfortable because it makes me feel like they're just pushing off a marginalized community's murder so that they don't have to like work the case which was very common in 1987 especially for a female marginalized member of the community but okay you know skinwalkers it's still a very big thing you can look up anything people go skinwalker hunting or whatever today you know, skinwalker ranch is a big thing so yeah seven gates of hell another place in new england pennsylvania maybe scenic but it's also super spooky. Why can't I say spooky? Like I mentioned. Seven Gates of Hell is a modern tale that centers around a burnt down asylum in a heavily wooded area of York County. Why is York County not in New York? Unless there's multiple York counties. It's said that anyone who passes through all seven gates is sent straight to hell. I'm pretty sure Ghost Adventures haunted, or haunted, hunted here. Like looked for ghosts here, but I don't know. I remember hearing about it. Number four, The Watcher. It's a New Jersey urban legend, and it went to viral fame in 2015. The Watcher is the tale of a young family moving into their dream home in Westfield. Wait, I'm pretty sure they just made a Netflix show off of this, because there is, I only watched the trailer, but it's a new family that moves into New Jersey, or it's an old family that, I don't know, it's a neighborhood in New Jersey, so, T. Anyway. The writer claimed that it was his duty to watch over the house and fill the letters with chilling lines, such as, Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Even worse, the inhabitants of the house are still receiving creepy letters to this day. Okay. Okay. That makes me want to watch the Netflix show now. 
I watched the trailer and I was like, mm, not my vibe, but I'm pretty sure it's 100% based off of this because it's called The Watcher in Space in New Jersey, so why wouldn't it be? So, you may have to check that out and report back to you. Let me know if any of you have watched it and let me know your thoughts. Should I watch it, basically. Bloody Mary. One of the most famous urban legends is the myth of Bloody Mary. If you haven't heard the myth or tried it when you were 12 years old, it basically is when you go into a room, turn the lights out, look in the mirror while saying her name three times, and then Mary is supposed to appear. I've heard also spinning and saying it three times, holding a candle. People will say all kinds of different things, but that's it at the most basic core of it. In earliest versions of the tale, the story goes that an unwed woman would see the face of the man she'd marry in the glass. However, if she were destined to die alone, she'd see a skull. Ouch. The story eventually evolved into something more sinister, where participants would see the bloody face of the evil spirit. I'm good. Honestly. I don't want to know. It's one of life's mysteries. Number six is the 13th child, aka Jersey Devil. Way back in 1735, a woman who lived in New Jersey, New Jersey is getting a bad rep right now. I have friends from New Jersey and they really enjoy it. So, like, you know, don't, don't, don't hate New Jersey after this. It's not a bad place. You know, go watch some Jersey Shore and then draw your own conclusions. Cake boss, anyone? Anyway, this lady's from Pine Barrens and she cursed the birth of her 13th child. She lived in the woods, by the way. I feel like that's important to know for mental reasons when you're setting this up in your head. Born a freak of nature, the bat-winged and cloven-hooved creature has been terrorizing the area ever since. The sightings became so widespread that it's rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo posted a $10,000 reward for the capture of the beast. So, we're going Jersey Devil hunting so I can get my down payment on my car. No, I'm actually kidding, but I wonder where... Or how she cursed the birth? Like, how did this happen? And, like, was it her husband that impregnated her? Like, was it the devil? Like, Antichrist type B? I'm so confused right now. Number seven, a chupacabra. This is a legendary monster that is from New Mexico. So we went from the Jersey of New to the Mexico of New. It resembles a bear-sized dog, and it has spikes along its back and glowing eyes. It flies, sucks the blood of cattle, and whatever other livestock it, livestock, we're going on the livestock. Anyway, any other livestock it's interested in. The name Chupacabra actually translates to goat sucker. I don't know if that aged well, because never mind. Never mind. We don't need to go there. <sighs> Ate the licked hand. So it says if you're a pet lover, you should skip on to the next tale. And I have a feeling this is going to stress me out because in the middle of the night, Luna and Evie will both just walk up, lick my hand or my face or whatever they feel inclined to. But I have to for you guys. This urban legend depicts a scared young girl who is spending the night home alone for the very first time. I get scared every time I'm home alone still, so this is going to be fun. When she tries to sleep, she hears an anonymous dripping noise coming from her bathroom. She doesn't want to investigate because she's freaked out, so she curls up under the covers reaches down to find reassurance from her faithful dog who licks her hand from the floor. The next morning, she decides to investigate the strange sound only to find her pet slaughtered and a terrifying message written in the blood across the bathroom wall. Humans can lick hands too. Mm, yeah, mm, uh, I don't claim this energy ever. 
I wonder if this is real and if it is I need to go I need I need to make some calls right now number nine is the bunny man the bunny man is anything but cute fun bunny don't picture Braxton or bourbon my bunnies at this time because that ain't it he's from Virginia so not in New England but also very old still anyway he dresses up as a rabbit and kills people with an axe Wait, I feel like I've seen people dress up as him. I've never heard of this before, but I feel like I've seen people dress up as him at like Halloween and stuff. There's actually an entire bridge named after him, the Bunny Man Bridge. And around Halloween time, he's said to go around skinning innocent rabbits and hanging the bodies on Bunny Man Bridge. What? So is he real? Apparently you can go see the bunnies. I don't know if you want to, but I kind of want you to and then report back to me because this is bad. Um, as a bunny owner, I can't support this. I don't like this. Yeah, if you live in Virginia, I'm going to need you to do some due diligence for me. Number 10. I don't think I'm going to pronounce this right because I can't pronounce anything I've said so far. But I think it's Polybius. Polybius? I don't know. Up to your own interpretation. Vintage video gamers have been talked about since this strange arcade game since the early 1980s. I feel like this is going to be like the Scooby-Doo where they get trapped in a video game. Those are the vibes I'm getting. Very strange. Called Polybius, this game supposedly has strange and sometimes lethal effects on its players. It prompts feelings of amnesia, disorientation, and even suicide. Uh, subliminals? That's what I'm hearing. Moreover, men would occasionally visit arcades to gather data from the game before vanishing. Was this game some type of awful CIA experiment? Since arcades aren't really a thing anymore, we'll never really be able to know. So, don't ever play the game. I'm guessing it's had some sort of subliminals in it where it was telling you to do horrible things, forget things, vertigo. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think. But I don't know why people would want to do that. I could definitely see someone getting away with that who's just an evil, horrible person doing a science experiment because, like, you can't always hear subliminals. You usually can't. That's the whole point. So it could get past everyone and no one would know. 11 is called The Hook. I said that really creepy. The way I said 11, that was the spookiest thing about this episode. So the legend tells the story of a serial killer with a hook for a hand. Wait, is this like Captain Hook? Is that where Captain Hook came from? Or did this, did Captain Hook, was this inspired by him? Like which expired which? Which inspired, not expired. Oh my god, why can't I talk today? Anyway, the slasher would attack couples in parked cars in remote areas. One time, a couple heard a scraping sound on their car door and drove off in fear. When they were a safe distance away, they got out to inspect the car and found the serial killer's hook lodged in the door. Wasn't there like some sort of Halloween legend show somewhere where they had the hook legend in it? I feel like it was like either on Netflix or Hulu and it was some sort of Halloween special. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, you know, I, I feel like I've seen this in that. I love how high the camera is and how I'm just slouching so bad that it like adds to the spookiness, like the way my phone light is just hitting my face. Okay, well, that's nice. Anyway, number 12, the spider bite. If you hate spiders, keep scrolling. They are one of my worst fears, but I will read it for you. This one will surely keep you up at night. As the story goes, a woman traveling in some foreign land returns home with a big pimple on her face. Despite her many attempts to alleviate the zit, it turns into a huge boil. 
One night the boil pops and hundreds of baby spiders emerge from the woman's flesh. That can actually happen. I don't think it can happen with spiders, but that can happen with other bugs. That's probably the scariest one I've heard out of all of these thus far. I'm not even going to cap. I hate that. I'm terrified of something happening to me, like, at night. You know? Like, in my sleep, something like that happens. Or bot flies. Or, nope. I'm afraid of swallowing spiders in my sleep. I think that's a myth. Like, you swallow one spider a year or whatever. I hope that's a myth. I'm pretty sure it is. Thirteen. Screaming Jenny. Jenny, a poor woman with no family, lived along the B&O Railroad and Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. My mom's from West Virginia. I don't know where Harper's Ferry is, though. I know there's a lot of history there. One day, she was warming up broth over a campfire. Broth sounds so good right now with it being cold. I need to focus. A spark flew from the fire and caught her dress. As Jenny screamed for help, the fire grew bigger, engulfing her in flames. In a last chance attempt, she fell into the train tracks trying to get the attention of an approaching train, but it was too late and the train hit Jenny. Today people believe that on the anniversary of her death, Jenny's burning ghost can be seen on the very same West Virginia tracks. Some say you can still hear her screams late at night. That's so spooky. That spooks me out, but West Virginia is definitely the place for that. Like, I don't know. Those are definitely vibes I've gotten. I always get really spooked when I go to West Virginia. I don't know if it's because historically there's a lot going on. Everything is, like, when you drive through West Virginia, it looks like you're back in the 70s or the 80s. Everything is so old. Like, nothing's been updated. Not in a bad way. It's actually really cool. It Like, the houses and stuff, it's so cool to feel like you go back in time. But I wonder if that has something to do with, like, the spooky vibes. 14. Mercy Brown in the New England Vampire Panic. Ooh, I wonder if this has to do with the thing we were talking about earlier. In 1800s, Rhode Island, people believe that the tuberculosis, tuberculosis, nope, the TB, the big TB, was caused by the dead consuming their surviving family members. There was only one way to deal with this sort of vampire activity. Obviously, they would dig up the remains of the dead and burn the bodies. The most famous instance would be that of Mercy Brown. Mercy's whole family got TB and it was assumed that she caused it to happen, so her grave was dug up. According to onlyinmystate.com, quote unquote, there were little signs of decomposition and the body had appeared to have changed positions. Though there are several scientific explanations for these occurrences, there still is a popular opinion that she was indeed a vampire. Her gravesite still remains one of the spookiest places in Rhode Island. Rhode Island's tiny, so there's not that much opportunity for spooky things. But I'm also thinking about, like, you know how you can have muscle spasms after you die? Like, it could have been that. I don't know. It's just giving, like... She probably was, like, the black sheep of the family in life. And so they were like, oh, obviously she did it. I don't know. Poor Mercy. I feel like she didn't deserve that. <laughs> 15. Petrified Forest. Well, obviously no one deserves that, Grace. Anyway, moving forward. Petrified Forest. The Escalante Petrified Forest in Utah is one of the most beautiful state parks in the U.S. I want to go to Utah so bad. There's so many things that you can explore. I'm sorry. This is a rant. Anyway, continue. But like many beautiful places, it also has a truly sinister urban myth. It's said that if you leave the Escalante Petrified Forest with a piece of petrified wood, you'll be cursed with bad luck for the rest of your life. While there's no proof that the legend is true, we advise leaving the petrified wood behind you if you visit the park. Just saying. Yeah, I like to collect artifacts where it's legal, of course, and I probably would have taken some wood, but I won't now. If that's legal, is it legal? That may be why this legend started. The parks were like, no, stop taking our wood. Because I know, like, in Rome, you can't take pieces of, like, cobblestone. Like, if you just find a loose piece of cobblestone, 
can't take it. It'll get taken and you'll get arrested. Don't ask me how I know that. 16. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Miniwashitu? Miniwashitu. It's the Missouri River Monster. The Missouri River Monster is one of many North Dakota urban legends. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Missouri River goes through North Dakota? I feel like those are very far apart. Maybe I'm just really bad at maps. I don't know. That's tripping me up. Anyway, in the spring, the creature swims upriver, breaking up the leftover ice from the previous winter. Sounds harmless, right? I'm wrong. Story goes that if you see the monster in broad daylight, you go insane. So, while some of these are completely made up, you probably can figure out which ones. Um, obviously, they're still legends, so they've been passed down, but there's really no solid evidence behind them. Others are based on facts. Either way, they're probably creepy and spooky, and I hope that you got some spookiness out of this. So, I hope you enjoyed hearing some spooky legends, hearing some facts, and just having a chill little episode with me. I'm so sorry I can't talk today and that I'm kind of all over the place. It's a mixture of the truly and a mixture of um, being genuinely exhausted. So, either way, I... Just thanks for watching this episode. Honestly, I really do appreciate every single ounce of support that you guys show me. It means a whole entire world to me. If you don't mind giving this a like, a rating, a review, or even following and subscribing if you enjoyed hanging out with me, it would mean the absolute world to me. I know I just said that, but I'm saying it again because I genuinely love you guys. It brightens my day to hang out with you. It's such a fun thing. I don't make a penny off of this. It's genuinely just like so fun. And I love doing it. So, yeah, if you want to join the community of girlies all working to become our own version of that girl, whatever that means to us, go ahead and follow, subscribe, follow me on Instagram, join the community, follow me on TikTok. We have a good time, and I would love for you to join us. I think that's it. If you're watching on Wednesday, I hope you have a great night. If you're watching any other time, I hope you have a great morning, night, or afternoon. I said that in the wrong order. I love you guys so, so much, and I will see you on Sunday with another episode. Bye, guys.